We back. Episode 19 of the Bentley Show. Took a little bit of a, a, a couple of days off there. Had some stuff going on. Uh, big stuff going on at Locked On Red Wings. For those who don't already uh, listen over there as well, where I'm a co-host. So a lot of big stuff. A lot of really fun interviews and a really big interview coming up. Uh, it'll either be posted at the end of this week or the beginning of next week. So... A lot going on over there, a lot going on in life, so we had a couple of days off there, but now we're back and better than ever, and we're back on the grind, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. This is The Bentley Show, so we have a little bit more to cover than usual, I would say, given the the nature of taking a, a week off. So for the Tigers, we're going to review spring so far. Cuts are starting to be made. We'll see if uh, any surprising cuts have been made or if there's an outlook kind of of uh, what the opening day roster is going to look like. Then the Detroit Pistons with a big, big, uh, hyping it up a little too much, but with a trade starting to sell people some more rumors about more trades to come with them. Uh, But we made a trade, so we're going to cover that and what it means for the team. The Wings, uh, we're going to talk about just their play over the last week. Uh, Larkin specifically has looked a lot different. Uh, Then there was a report that, quote, everyone on the team outside of Larkin, Moe, and Lucas Raymond are apparently on the block, according to, to this report. And the Wings are fielding calls for everybody else that's not one of those three people. So we're going to talk about how realistic that could be and what that could mean. For the team going forward. And then free agent season, baby. Free agency season for the NFL. So we're going to talk about what the Detroit Lions are up to. Uh, and any other just big moves that may affect them. Looking in the division, a certain team signed a certain player to be their quarterback. So we might we might just laugh about that for a little bit. But as I've said, I think three times already. This is the Bentley Show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Let's get right in to it. Okay, so the Detroit Baseball Tigers over the last couple of, uh, we've probably played like five games since we last spoke. Um, not very many are televised still. Still still missing a lot, of, a lot of games due to it not being televised, which is really frustrating. Um, but regardless, we've still also seen quite a bit and cuts have been, uh, like I said earlier, cuts are starting to be made. Um, so we're going to start with Spencer Torkelson because, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. This is one thing that pisses me off more than, than I feel like for the, well, maybe I shouldn't even say that. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I'm a pretty level-headed person, but I think, uh, given that, most of my social media presence is me yelling. That probably is not going to sound too believable to people that don't like know me in real life. Um, but I what okay. One thing that drives me insane is people that overreact to spring training. It drives me absolutely up a wall. Like there are people out there saying like Scooble had a high pitch count today in uh for for Wednesday's game against the Phillies and and this is not I'm not singling any one person out this is this is you know I 
I don't give things the time of day unless I see like five or six people say it. But there's a lot of people saying like, oh, Scoobles pitch count is high in spring training. You know, I'm worried he's going to be a bullpen arm. Okay, let's let's calm down a lot a bit, not just a little bit, a lot of bit. Okay, this is his third start in spring training of his rookie year. Let's just look at the context. Okay, and realize how ridiculous it is. For us to be think like talking about career altering paths of a guy who who is in spring training of his rookie year, okay, that's absurd. That's literally absurd. So I'm gonna take a deep breath on that one. But the biggest one by far of the spring uh, on the on the negative side of things uh, is Spencer Torgelson. I, I mean, there are people like freaking out about Spencer Torkelson getting off to this this not-too-flashy start, I'll call it, uh, to spring training. He finally got his first hit of the spring, but he has a lot of strikeouts. He started off like 0 of 17, I think. Has a lot of Ks mixed in there, too. Like almost half of them, over a third of them at least, were strikeouts. Um, th- again, we need to remember a lot. Context is super important. First off, he has the last time Spencer Torkelson faced competitive, a com, the last time he had a competitive at bat, he was in college. He is now going up against major league pitching. Okay? So we'll start with that. We'll start with just that pure fact that, that, he has literally not seen a competitive at bat since he was in college. And now he's, he's it's spring training, but he's going up against major league level pitchers. Okay. So we'll start with that. Um, n- nobody makes a jump from, from like, I don't care how good you are in college. You don't go from college just straight to being dominant at the major league level, especially not as a hitter. We've seen a couple of people do it as like relievers, like that's not any any position. It's extremely uncommon. It's only happened. There's a uh, I think there's a Wikipedia page that literally just lays out everybody who's ever done it because it's so rare uh, to just go from the you know an amateur to the MLB and skip the minor leagues. Um, but it's not all that ridiculous, I'd say, if you're like a reliever. Um, but. But man, like, especially as a hitter, it is, that is damn near impossible. So like, I don't care how good you are. We need to take a deep breath. Also look at the at-bats. Look at the at-bats. He is swinging at strikes. He is taking balls. Now he has a couple of looking strikes. It's not like every at-bat is perfect, but he appears to be seeing the ball well. He's taking Balls on the outside. He's drawn a fair amount of walks, actually, which, again, is super encouraging. And he's swinging at strikes. He's just swinging through them. And, again, it's been two years, a year and a half. Oh, probably, probably a year. It's been a year since he's had a, prof- had a, had a competitive at-bat, and it was against Pac-12 pitching. Right, that's a lot different than than major league pitchers. So you get the time, 
the time off in there, the last time, you know, the, the level of talent, just everything. The fact that he is swinging at strikes, the, the, the bat to ball skills will come with development. Okay. It's really not a big deal. Like I was a guest on uh, locked on tigers hosted by Chris Castellani a couple of days ago and we were talking about it and it's like, you know, everybody's freaking out about it. And him and I just looked at each other and we're like, this is literally not even on my radar of things to worry about. Like I am, I am so not worried about this that, that it's, it's like a zero. Like it, I, it's not even like I am worried at, at just a little bit. I, I am quite literally not worried about it at all. No part of my brain is is taken up with space that involves me worrying about Torgelson's future. And it shouldn't for you either. I promise it's not a big deal. Okay? So we're going to start and get that out of the way quickly because it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of ridiculous what we've been seeing on the socials and, and stuff. Uh, on the flip side of that, people that are impressing a lot, Tarek Skubal's been unreal. And again... He had a high pitch count today. I'll reiterate his his third appearance or fourth appearance of spring training in his rookie eligible year is not something to overreact to from like, oh, my gosh, his pitch count is high. He's going to be a career long reliever. Let's calm down a lot of bit. He is a rookie. He is still developing. He will be fine. I think we kind of got spoiled by the by the like Fulmers and Verlanders that we developed where they just like splashed onto the scene and were kind of instantly amazing um you know two rookie of the year winners so I think that this like kind of growing pain thing we're not really used to also just period I mean even on the hitting side outside of Castellanos we haven't developed a hitter that's our own we haven't homegrown developed a hitter since like the 90s so like uh, I think it's just something that a lot our fan base is not really used to, and that's why you're seeing all this kind of like way overreactions. And people, you know what? You you can't blame people because we just want to be good. And Avila's been horrible at his job, so people have reasons to be suspect. And and on the flip side of that, people like Willie Castro that that I talk about all the time and kind of want to like pump the brakes on people's excitement for like, you can't blame people for being excited either. Cause we've been so bad for so long when we're given a glimpse of any amount of talent, it's exciting. So, uh, you know, you can't, you can't be mad at people no matter what. Um, but we do need to pump the brakes a little bit and, and it's spring training and scuba's looked really good. He had a great outing again today. Uh, he did have the high pitch count, but he went three innings with one hit, no walks, and five strikeouts or six strikeouts in three innings. He was uh, he was very good, stranded a couple runners, like obviously had some walks, had the high pitch count, and that's something that he's been trying to develop for a minute. Um, but he's look, he hasn't given up a run yet this spring, which is awesome. Uh, Mize is another one who's been kind of all over the place, to be completely honest with you. It's a guy that uh, that also has had his his fair share of command issues. And the thing with Mize that's super interesting, like where do you start him? Now that the minor league season's delayed a month at least, 
at least a month, okay? Do you say, okay, well, I don't want him to go to the training site. I want to get him competitive ABs. You're staying in the show. You're making the opening day roster. Your service time's already started. What's the hurt? Is that, is that something, you know what I mean? I feel like if, if the minor league season was starting right away, that is, that is something. I probably think he starts in, in AAA if we have a regular minor league season. I do. I think he has too many mechanical problems and his command has been all over the place in spring and going back to last year, even that's not like a, Oh, it was good last year and it's bad this year. His command's been all over the world. Uh, and on top of that, he, he has his fair share of mechanical problems. Like we've said a million times. So I think in a normal season, he probably starts in AAA. but with the delayed minor league season, maybe he finds his way in there. Uh, also, the talks of a potential six-man rotation, which is super interesting for this team. Um, you know, Scoobles had injury problems. Mize, we, again, mechanical problems. Probably uh, could potentially have some injury problems. And then you have guys like Turnbull and Boyd who have histories of strong starts that flame out. I don't know, man. I think it's I think it's super it's intriguing for sure. I I don't think it's really that ridiculous and trying to get a more people opportunities but B just trying to keep guys effective for longer. I don't think the six man rotation is that ridiculous. So between all those factors that could impact Mize's stay as well. Um Mize has been a guy so far this spring who's had solid starts but kind of just like one like one or two bad innings of work. Uh, but his starts as a whole look pretty solid. Again, his command is all over the place. He's still walking a lot of guys. He's still missing spots a lot. Again, comes with development. He's still super young. Like 95% of the time, rookies don't just come up and, and light the world on fire and are all-stars immediately. Okay, So it'll be okay, I promise. I still think he's going to be an incredible pitcher for this organization for a long time. Uh, okay, so let's go into the first couple of rounds of cuts. I think since the last time we spoke, there's been two rounds of cuts. Uh, the notable ones are Matt Manning, obviously, and I want to start off with him. People are, there's a few people, and I don't think it's it's any fault of their own, but just don't. Um, seems like not everybody has a full grasp of like the service time thing. There was never, ever ever, ever, ever a chance that Matt Manning was ever going to make this opening day roster. Literally ever. He could have pitched 30 innings in spring training and literally had like 30 perfect innings with like 60 strikeouts. He would not have made this opening day roster. Service time is a thing. Service time manipulation is absolutely a thing as admitted by the Seattle Mariners organization a couple of weeks ago. He he could have been the greatest pitcher in the history of the sport. He was never, ever, ever making this opening day roster. So I just want to start with that. That being said, he's definitely getting a call up at some point this year. It just won't be, be, it won't be before May because of service time manipulation. If we call him up after the second week of May or whatever it is, we get a whole extra year out of him. 
for service time. So it, you know, he was he was never going to make the Omid roster, but he he's looked great in the spring. Uh, his biggest thing for development is just getting a third pitch. We talked about it, I think, a couple episodes ago. He just needs a third pitch. So that cut, not surprising. Zach Short, a little surprising to me for this round of cuts. I thought that he's he had impressed enough with uh, the glove and the versatility that he showed with the glove. And he's hit decently well in the spring. Had a homer the game before he got uh cut down to the minors um that that's a he he's gonna I think he's gonna be up at some point this year I don't think he's gonna spend the whole season in the minors but it's just interesting to me I thought at a I thought he had a legitimate chance to be like one of the utility guys for this team on opening day I think Hinch likes the versatile guys Nico's obviously gonna be in that conversation but his offense has been horrible since opening day of 2020 and has continued to be horrible so far this spring. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think the Zach Short one, um, for whatever it's worth, if it were me, I probably would have waited until at least the next round of cuts if I knew that he wasn't going to make it. Like, I, I, I thought he had a better chance to make the team than, than like second round of cuts. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we're – we still have to get down to 26. There's still 41 dudes in camp as of today, which is March 17th. So um, I'm a little surprised that that he's one of the early ones to go, but not shocked that he didn't make the roster. I just thought he might have been in a little more consideration than that. Um, Kristen Stewart already sent down. I think the Kristen Stewart era of Tigers baseball is over. I do. We have Grossman uh, on a two-year deal. Jacoby Jones, obviously. Um, Victor Reyes, obviously, uh, to, to my dismay. Akil Badu has been absolutely tearing the cover off of the baseball this year. He has been unreal. Um, and, and then you start getting guys, you know, prospects that are going to have to start showing up eventually with, with Derek Hill is going to have to, at some point, either prove he can hit or or get cut and DFA'd off the team. Uh, and, and Daz Cameron, while has is is still probably he is still earlier on his journey than, than Derek Hill is as far as his journey within the organization. Um Daz Cameron's a guy also that's gonna be coming up relatively soon. And Kristen Stewart's like what, twenty seven years old? Twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty eight. So I I really think it's done. I think Kristen Stewart, I think that era of Tigers baseball is done super, you know, I, again, I say it all the time. He's still my phone background. I love the dude to death, but, but the only word to describe his career, unfortunately, is, is beyond disappointing. So, uh, hopefully he can figure it out at the minor league level, or if he ends up not playing for this team or getting DFA at some point, figure it out for somebody else. Cause, uh, I think he's a really cool guy. Just. Did, definitely did not live up to uh, to expectations, unfortunately. Um, the last guy I want to talk about for cuts is Alex Lang. This is another guy that it doesn't stun me that he didn't make the roster, uh, but it's it kind of surprises me again that he's part of this this round of cuts. I would have expected him, similar to Short, to be kind of like, Maybe the next round, 
Uh, or, or honestly, I wouldn't have stunned me if he made the roster. Alex Lang looked good. Like every pitcher I've talked about this entire spring, some command issues at times, but his stuff has been legit, man. He has looked really, really, really good. Um, and that's a, that's a guy we got at the deadline. We got him for Castellanos from the Cubs. Um, former starter. I don't know. He, he looked really good this spring and I thought he had a pretty decent chance to, uh, to get a bullpen spot, honestly, an opening day bullpen spot. I, I thought, I thought he looked really good. So again, that's another one that kind of surprises me. And some people are saying it, it, you know, Oh, tr the, the Avila defenders, right? Oh, he's just doing it for service time. You know, you just talked about service time. That's what it is. You don't mess with service time of like a 26-year-old reliever. Like, that's just not how, how that works. You mess with service time of like top prospects that are in their young 20s, like the whole Chris Bryant thing that happened and, and what we're doing with Matt Manning, literally. Like, top prospects that are ready to be called up and you want to you don't do it with 26 year old one inning relievers. Like that's just not, that's just not how that works. Um, the only other person I want to talk about with the Tigs is uh, Matt Boyd. Matt Boyd has kind of been all over the place. Um, he's, he's had a decent spring. I've been pretty uh, impressed. He's got the new release point that, that him and Federer have been working on. I think that's going to do him wonders. Um, I think I hmm. he's, he's had an interesting spring. He's looked okay. He's looks good, actually. He, he's looked solid. It's really just a, a matter of um, consistency because he'll go on like, like his last outing, for instance, he pitched four innings. Two of them, he was lights out. He looked incredible. Two of them, he looked horrible. It's all going to come down to consistency for him. I'm super excited to see what he does in the regular season uh, with this new release point and everything. And kind of when the, as in spring, as these guys go deeper and deeper into games and their pitch counts get higher and higher, I think uh, he'll definitely be one person to watch. He'll be somebody – I mean, obviously, he's he's one of the higher-end rotation guys on this team, but I think that he's going to be someone that's super important to keep an eye on because I think this is a make-it-or-break-a year for Boyd. I, I think if he if he does what he did in 2020 this year, I think we uh, we might be looking dead in the dead in the eyes with the, the end of the Matt Boyd era as well. So that'll be super interesting. All right. Now let's kick it to the Detroit – basketball Pistons who are just in the most enjoyable tank of all time. Truly, 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 truly. There is not a more enjoyable tank, maybe in sports. I mean, have you ever seen someone that's uh, a team that's so blatantly tanking? However, they are competitive with competitive teams. They have leads against competitive teams. The young kids are getting minutes. 
and yet they still lose 90% of their games. That's a slight exaggeration, but you get the point. It is it is unbelievable how 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 what am I trying to say? Very well executed tank. Incredibly well executed tank by your Detroit basketball pistons and they added to that. They added to the I guess you'd say they've added to the tank. Um, first off, they still have the second worst record in the NBA. And at that, at one point, we were three games better than the Minnesota Timberwolves. We are now just a game better. We are 10 and 29. They are 9 and 31. So I guess they've played an extra game from us too. So what does that make us? A, a game and a half better? I'm just saying. There's not been a more ex- uh, a more perfectly executed tank in recent memory. If if this holds, if this position holds, we got Jeremy Grant, which is a great signing. Uh, somebody that that we're looking to to somewhat build around. The kids are getting minutes. Sadiq Bay looks great. Lee looks great. We still have assets that we can trade at the deadline. It is a work of art. This tank is is truly a work of art. Um, and I'm so excited for the future of this team. Which is something I have literally never... Uh, I'm trying to think of if I've ever been able to say that. Literally. In my entire life. I'm I'm 22 years old. Have I ever been able to say that I was excited about the Pistons' future? We have the 04 championship when I was in elementary school. Cried my eyes out. Beautiful moment. Obviously, I was then expecting, you know, us to be good because we had just won a ring. And, and we kept making it back to Eastern Conference Finals for the next few years after that. To the finals the year after. Right? So, I still... You, you know, but that's not really like, oh, the future's bright. It's just like, okay, we're good now. Let's keep being good. You know what I mean? Then the Chauncey AI trade happens. Like, okay, I love Allen Iverson, so I guess I'm kind of excited to see him be a piston. But, like, we're not, like way better now for getting like old Allen Iverson. Um, so not really there. And then like for a decade, we refused to rebuild. Like, was I ever after, after getting the seventh overall pick, was I ever like, Oh damn, Pistons future is bright. Like, I guess the only time I've kind of felt like that, and this is nowhere close to how I feel now, but the only time that there's even an argument is like Drummond's rookie year. Drummond's rookie year, he pops off uh, after the draft in NBA 2K. I remember he was like a 48 overall, literally. I think he was a 48 or a 49 overall because all he could do was dunk and rebound. He was trash at every other stat. Breaks out, you know, all-stars first couple of years. Just really impressive. 
So I guess maybe, yeah, like Drummond's either rookie or second year. I was like, okay, we have this young piece that no one expected to be this good. He's an all-star caliber player. We, I don't know. We get Josh Smith. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, like I, I, there has truly never been even remotely close to a moment in, in Pistons history that has even come, come like I said, e- even close to, to feeling like this, where we're like, damn, like we're really excited about the potential and the future, the next few years of the Detroit Pistons. First time in my life, probably, I've been able to say that. That's so cool. That's so cool. That's so cool. But we did make a trade. We did make a trade that I'm in love with personally. Um, we made a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who also today um, traded uh, Myers Leonard was a part of a trade with the OKC Thunder. Ariza and Leonard, and obviously, uh, after the the uh, unfortunate things that he said on his stream, like a dumbass, uh, that is that is definitely interesting that he is now traded. That's all I'll say about that. Um, okay, so we trade Sfee. And a second round pick in like 2027. For, oh my gosh. And the Lions just cut Desmond Trufant officially. These are all things we've known. But like this is now the first day we're like moves. So like Stafford's officially getting traded today and all that. So I'm just my phone's blowing up with that kind of stuff. Okay. So Sfee and a second round pick in 2027. For Diallo. Former dunk contest winner. Superman thing. Um, I always screw up saying his first name. And I feel so bad. Because like I feel like it's not that hard of a first name. But I'm, I'm so bad at pronouncing names that like I haven't heard 50 times before. So, Hamidu, right? I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to try. Uh, Diallo, okay? Dude was a killer in college. Um, obviously, mad hops. He has an insane wingspan, too. He's like a shooting guard with like a damn near seven-foot wingspan. Um, and Weaver is clearly showing that he has a love for athletic guards. Athletic players in general, really. Um, we made a move. We signed a, a uber-athletic center from the G League as well. I mean, he has... He's just coming in and really showing that that athleticism is something you can't teach and you can develop the rest. That seems to be his his mindset so far, which I'm totally cool with, man. I, I have I have faith in him at this point. Just awesome. Uh and this trade is incredible. Diallo's been a guy, man, like he he's been a dude for like I said, like at Kentucky he was he was so cold bro oh my gosh he was so cold um and yeah man like this is this is uh his his points per game are starting to go up obviously an uber athlete if he can get a jump shot down a little bit and these are the kind of projects that we've been so good with 
the Pistons are very quickly turning into a spot where like people that are kind of like, Oh, uh, no, I don't want to say forgotten about, but like, Oh, like maybe viewed at as, um, not bust either, but just like, like we're, we're the, the land of, of second chances. We're the land of second opportunities. We are just this, this team that gets all these dudes that have kind of been given up on by, by other franchises and then have come here and done super well. Um, shout out Christian Wood, man. Jeez. The one that got away. No, we're, 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 we're chilling. We're chilling. So that's awesome. And I think that look like, like I said, you can't teach athleticism. So we have a pure athlete on our hands. He's got a great wingspan. You could develop some defense. That combination of athleticism and wingspan breeds great defenders historically. He's still so young. He's only 22, 23, I want to say. Um, you can you can really develop a guy here. And he's already started to take some steps forward. Earlier in the year, he went on a stretch where he was a killer for a little bit. Um, just... I really love this move. And you know what? Sfi for his role? Sure, man. Like, if he can develop into a solid just catch-and-shooter, stay-in-the-corner guy, more, you know, big ups, more power to him. But I think the the upside with Diallo is way more, and I, I am so thrilled about this trade. This is something I do 10 times out of 10. Every day of the week and twice on Sundays, baby. Uh, so that is obviously insanely exciting. And then the last piece of Pistons news is that, uh, the Wayne Ellington talks are starting to heat up as everyone expected. I really don't see any scenario or any reason why he would be on this team after the trade deadline. That doesn't really make sense to me. He's all contenders want bench scores and bench shooters, especially. I don't see any reason why uh why he wouldn't why he would be on this team so I absolutely expect him to get moved um it sounds like the asking price is a decent second round pick I mean like (laughs) that report came out and I was like well well yeah I'm not really sure you're sure as hell not getting like a young player for him um and you're definitely not getting a first round pick and there is no third round. So like, yeah, I guess guess you are asking for a second round pick. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't know what else you really, you can't ask for anything less. So yeah, I I guess. Um, So we'll probably just go to whoever can offer us the the best second round pick. I'd imagine you're definitely not getting a first for them. Um, But yeah, that, so that's the, the last piece of news there. Um, I, again, I absolutely expect him to get moved. There's no reason for him to be on this team. And I think a second-round pick, I think I said it a few episodes ago, is, is absolutely, A, it's absolutely the, the correct value. Um, and, B, it's just, like, again, like, what else, what else are you going to ask for? So, Wayne Ellington probably within the next, I don't know if I want to say the next few days, but he's definitely getting moved. Okay, 
We've talked enough about that. I keep repeating myself at this point. Let's move on to the Detroit Hockey Red Wings. For starters, as I always do, I'm going to start by plugging the Locked On Red Wings. Um, We have really, really, really big things coming. Got a really cool interview with Tony Ferrari that we're releasing in bits. Um, Tony Ferrari is one of the best NHL draft experts, I mean, in, in the world, like out there. He, he's he's big time when it comes to, to NHL draft stuff. Um, that's he's, he's one of the best out there at it. So uh, we got some interviews with him coming up, talking about previous Red Wings drafts, uh, the upcoming draft, and kind of how it looks uh, might be a slightly weaker draft than normal at the top, but it might be deep. So a, a lot of cool stuff talking about who the wings might be eyeing. We talked about current wings prospects in the system as two Raymond and, and a lot of talk about Mo. He was a, he was a big Mo cider guy. He was one of the only guys that ranked him as the best defender in the class. Um, Cause as you can remember when we took Mo, that was considered to be a massive reach. So, uh, he was, that was like his guy. That was like his guy that he found that kind of everybody else overlooked that he knew. So we got to, he got to kind of do a victory lap with that. Um, and then we have a really, really big guest. I'm actually recording it. We're going to record it tonight after I finish this, um, on Wednesday. So it'll probably be out either the end of this week or the beginning of next week, but a huge 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 guest um big name big name hockey world person so um check out lockdown red wings we're doing a lot of cool stuff there and i mean i'm a co-host you know like i don't know i don't know i don't know just me um but the red wings the last week uh a lot of A lot of, of stuff, a lot of stuff, um, the, and not, not even involving really like the games played <laughs> like the game. Like we know this team is not that good. We know that they will continue to be not that good. Um, this team is not good. They'll continue to not be good. Um, yeah. So, like, on the ice, it's like, you know, whatever. But the exciting part is that a lot of stuff off the ice has been happening. A lot of rumors circulating around this team. Um, here, Here's the big one, okay? Here, Here's the, the big one. A report came out that said everyone on this team, and again, we talked about this a lot more in depth on Locked on Wings, everyone on this team is on the trading block except for Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, and Mo Sider. That is a statement. And they didn't say they're actively shopping everyone. They didn't say like, oh, they're trying to move Mantha or they're trying to move Burt. But they said that they are open to trading anybody that's not those three people. They are fielding calls for everyone else in the organization. 
That's wild. So we'll start with the elephant in the room. The obvious thing that comes with that is Big Tony. Large Tony, Anthony Manta. That's the big one that comes with that. Manta is 25, 26. Um, He's so frustrating. Anthony Manta is so frustrating. So, he he's 26. So, we've seen the peak of Anthony Manta. We have seen, like, damn, this dude is good. We've seen the, the high-end ceiling of goal scoring. But he's so unbelievably inconsistent. So unbelievably inconsistent. It's ridiculous. He'll go on stretches where, what, three, four games in a row? Where he's just skating around out there, kind of doing his thing, whatever. And I'm not saying he's ever terrible. He, I don't think, you know, you watch him and you're like, damn, like he's garbage. There was actually a little bit of stretch at the beginning of the year where he looked pretty bad. He's just so frustrating, man. He's just so, I'm having a hard time even gathering my thoughts and like expressing them. He is just so unbelievably frustrating as a player. And if he can hit that consistency, if he can hit that consistent, hitting his ceiling that we know he has and doing it consistently, Obviously, this is a guy that we want to hang on to, and that is part of the future plans for the team. But he's now 26, and every day that goes by is another day that he still has not achieved that or reached that level of play. I kind of talk about this in the same way I talk about Matt Boyd in 2019. It's not the same. Because I think there's actually a legitimate argument of keeping Anthony Manta. But like the Tigers not trading Matt Boyd in 20, that's the highest his value will ever be. Matt, no matter how well, how highly you think of Matt Boyd, he will never be as valuable as he was at the trade deadline 2019. If you're going to move Manta, you got to do it now. He's got three years left on his deal. He's only 26 years old. People still think he's got another level to him where he could take a huge step forward. If you're going to move him, you got to move him now. Because if you wait, then his value goes down. Then he becomes 27, 28, even 29 years old. Nobody thinks he has a seal, a higher ceiling anymore because he's damn near 30 and still hasn't reached it. People know what player he is and less control. The contract has three years left on it. So I'm not saying you have to trade him. If you think, look, I trust Steve, okay? If he thinks that, that Manta's still got another level to him and there's another kind of switch in there that, that he can flip and he can get to that ceiling we all believe he has still, Sure, man. Go for it. Keep him. Keep him. Why not? But if you are going to move him, it's got to be either the deadline this year or this offseason. Because his value will never be higher. 
his value will never be higher. Between the, the age, the control, and the talent, his value will never be higher than it is right now. So, that's real. I'm not, again, I'm not saying please trade him. I'm not saying trade him, trade him, trade him. We have to. All I'm saying is, if you do, or if you are going to move him, it's this is the time to do it. There's been some rumors about who that could be. The couple big ones were uh, Boston. They're in the desperation mode, kind of like, uh, hey, you know, we're we got an aging core. We're gonna make one more big run at it. That could be one. Make their team a little younger and better. Um, the big one was the Kings. That'd be incredible. The Kings have an unbelievable prospect core. Uh, I think that even getting the Kings like lower end prospects uh, could be like those are guys that would be way higher ranked in uh, in better in in any other organization just because that's how deep their their prospect rankings are and how deep their prospect pool is. So I think the Kings would be a great scenario, probably for Mantha too, honestly. Um, so that that's probably my dream scenario. Uh, but that being said, I'm not saying you have to move them. I'm just saying logically, if you are, it's got to be now. It's got to be now. Okay, like I said one last time, I'm just going to plug Locked On Red Wings if you want more in-depth. Um, I'm a co-host over there five episodes a week, some really, really big ones coming up. Uh, and we break all this stuff I talk about on this. We break that down way more, uh, go way more in depth, way deeper, uh, with Nolan and Ethan, great group of guys and a great show and a great product we're running over there. All right, let's move on to the last team, the Detroit football lions. Okay. The Detroit Lions uh, did not tag Kenny Galladay, which we talked about in the last episode. Um, and that's something that I was super against at the time that I kind of got talked into uh, being more on board for between the compensation pick that we're going to get and other factors. So, I'm a lot more okay with it now. Um, the like I said last time, the guys, the back judge podcast, kind of kind of talked me down off the cliff there. Um, so Kenny G's gone. It's looking like the Giants are a really favored landing spot for him. We'll see how that develops. Uh, Aquara then gets non-tagged. However, we re-sign him. We re-sign him. I think it's a solid deal for us. Money-wise, I don't. I don't think it's a bad deal. Uh, it is a little weird to me. I, I'm not like totally against it. You know, I, I'm not, not like, oh, this is really stupid. But again, for the for the compensation picks that we possibly could have obtained, I I'm not sure. I really understand. Um, and again, I get he's younger. He just had a great year. We're getting him for a few more years. Sure, sure. Uh, and again, the value's decent. It's fine. I'm, I'm fine with it. 
Um, but in my eyes, I going into it, I was expecting us to either keep both or keep neither. I didn't think we were going to – ditching one and keeping another is not one – not an avenue, not an option. We know I love my avenues. Uh, not an avenue that I saw as like a super likely or possible thing. So I'm more just kind of like uh, surprised than anything. I, you know, again, I, it's good value. It's obviously a good player. I think he'll he'll be good there, um, keeping a, a staple on that line. But uh, it's it is weird to me that the logic we use for Galladay we didn't use for Aquara. It's a little weird to me, but we got him nailed down. That'll be super exciting. Um, and I love to see, love to see people get paid. I love to see players get paid. So that's awesome. Uh, and, and yeah, so he's back, which is exciting. Uh, the other two moves we made Jamal Williams, two years. And it's, I don't think the exact numbers have been released, but it's supposed to be around seven and a half mil. Um, it's a really good depth to add. And some people are confused. Like, nobody in the NFL only has one running back these days. People are like, oh, like, why are we spending money on running backs? We have Swift. We have so many other holes. Yes, we have so many other holes. We have so many holes. We are not going to be able to fill them all. And DeAndre Swift, even if you did only think that we, like, even if you're of the ancient belief of, like, oh, we only need one running back. DeAndre Swift is not that style of running back. Like, A, nobody only has one running back these days. And B, even if we did, for some reason, it sure as hell wouldn't be uh, someone that that had the style and the build of DeAndre Swift. He is not that kind of um, a running back. And I still – and that's that's – fine again you need two running backs so like shut up okay so that's a great signing that's a high-end backup uh rb i i think that 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 could actually work out super well um i also like the fact that it is um two years i like that as well i don't know i think that that's a good solid deal i, I really like it i enjoyed that um good solid depth in the running back room that we were very much missing because we had none really outside of Swift carry on has been a massive disappointment. Who knows what his future is going to hold. So I always love adding depth, especially in the running back room. Then the other one, uh, this one via a trade. This one's a little weird. Uh, Michael Brockers defensive lineman for the Rams gets moved to the Lions. Now, we only give up a seventh-round pick in 2023. Sure, great move, fine. Couple of weird things about this one. I just slapped my microphone. Couple of weird things about this one, okay? First off, he's 30. I get it. You you got holes. You got to fill them. Sure, go for it. Other weird thing, the reason why the Rams wanted to move him so bad is because 
He refused to take a pay cut. They said, hey, if you, you can rework your contract and give you a huge pay cut, you can stay on the team. He said no. They're like, all right, well, we're trading you. Have fun. And that's what happened. He signed a three-year, $24 million deal with the Rams. Interesting. I just sneezed. So, 324 for a defensive lineman, defensive tackle. Um, you know, quite a, there's a lot of that, that that's a signing bonus, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, I don't – and again, value-wise, it's a seventh-round pick. Sure, why not? Now, there's also talks that we're going to try to rework his contract now that he's here. It just, it's weird. That's the, that's the only way I can really describe it. I, I can't hate it. We got rid of a seventh-round pick and got a starting D tackle. I'm not going to hate it. But it's a little odd. It's a little odd to get a 30-year-old in the middle of a rebuild that's – like, it'd be one thing if we did, like, what the Red Wings did with Stahl. We're like, hey, you have a veteran. You don't want him. His contract's too big for you. Give him to us, but you're also going to give us a draft pick for taking on this salary, right? Like, if they gave us, like, a fifth-round pick, they're like, here, please take him. That'd be one thing. That happens all the time. But it sounds like we just wanted him. They just gave us him, and we gave him a seventh-round pick. It sounds like we just wanted to take him on. And the, the contract may be reworked and, and all that, but it's a, it's a little weird to me. It's a little weird to me. And then you throw in the, <laughs> the cherry on top of the Sunday is that uh, – he made comments after Stafford was acquired, right? That said, um, <laughs> Stafford is absolutely an upgrade over Goff. And now he's back with Goff on the team that used to have Stafford. Kind of hilarious. Just a little bit hilarious, right? So. That's kind of awkward, and the whole thing just as a whole is a little weird to me. Again, I don't dislike it. I can't dislike it. The value is great. If we have the money to do so, why not? And there's a, there's a potential out, it looks like, in his contract in the 2022 season where we could get him, get rid of him and not have any cap hit. But if that's the plan, why are you giving up draft picks for him if you're just planning on cutting him? Like, again, if we were getting like a sixth even or a seventh or a, a sixth or a fifth round pick on top of it, it'd be like, okay, this makes sense. But just getting him straight up is a little weird to me. Don't hate it. Don't dislike it. Just a little confused by it, I guess would be the word. All right. Anything else? Do, 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 do. I don't think so. Yeah, it sounds like uh, I'm checking my notes here. That looks like it's it. All right. Thank you for listening 
to another episode of The Bentley Show. Um, still having a blast doing these, man. I'm glad to be back. Like I said, took a couple of days there. Life just got a little crazy. But we are back. We're better than ever. Free agency for the NFL is going to keep going as we get closer and closer to opening day. Uh, for baseball, more cuts are going to be made for that. Um, as the trade deadline gets closer for basketball, Weaver keeps the cliff empty. Same thing with hockey. Trade deadline's getting closer. Uh, and obviously, like I said, check out Locked On Red Wings um, as we have a huge, huge guest coming on uh, very, very soon. It will be in your ears very soon. So that will do it for this episode of The Bentley Show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got. Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope. Go to Detroit Sports, baby.